0: Welcome to Education Suspended, a podcast focused on exploring, engaging and dialoguing with those in education who are passionate about changing the status quo and evolving the archaic system we have inherited.
1: Education Suspended is a production of Intricate Roots Educational Consulting Services. Our editor and production manager is Katie Kunin. Our producer is Jamie Higa, and our music is provided by Poets Row.
2: Hello,
0: everyone. Welcome to Education Suspended. Happy Thanksgiving week. I'm so glad we've made it this far. It's been quite the semester, and I don't know about y'all, but I'm very excited for some mashed potatoes, specifically dairy-free mashed potatoes, which I know doesn't sound wonderful to you all, but to me, sounds like heaven. All right, let's jump into our episode for today. We sit down with an amazing poet, Lindsay Young, who is from Long Island, New York. Lindsay was crowned in 2018 the National Underground Poetry Individual Competition co-champion, and in 2019 released her first book, Salt to Taste, and most recently her new book, which is titled In Your Absence, was just published. I have her book, Salt to Taste. It's really, really good. We have a really good conversation, and Steve loved this episode as someone that used poetry in his classroom all the time. We look at it. The the use of poetry as a creative outlet for students and I mean, essentially the radical vulnerability that it brings to us, it helps us stay present. We can use it for self check-ins. And I really appreciated how Lindsay articulated the use of words to connect us to our environment, to attach emotions to the images that we see. And I think if we step back and process what has been the last, what, 18 to 20 months, there's a lot of images. There's a lot of emotions. And poetry can be an amazing opportunity and technique to use in the educational environment to not just process that, but to actually guide us and root us back towards really um, beneficial learning strategies. It's a great episode. I think I always say that, but this, I mean, they're all right. So this is another great episode. Lindsay, we can't thank you enough for your time. I hope you all have an amazing Thanksgiving. We are grateful for everything that you do, all the time that you give us and the episodes that you listen to. Everyone be safe and enjoy Education Suspended with Lindsay Young. We are super excited to introduce Lindsay Young, who is a poet and also soon to be a social worker, which I'm I think it's wicked cool. Um, and before we started recording this, I was I was kind of sharing with our team here. Uh, we're actually meeting Lindsay for the first time. And <laughs> she gave me a compliment and said I didn't give off, what was it, creepy vibes or weird vibes, which yes, ja- Jamie said was a, a feat for Pfeiffer to get that. <laughs> but I actually stumbled across Lindsay on Instagram. And this summer which we now have learned, it was a tweet. I, I thought it was this beautiful, like little short poem. You know, she wrote this poem about, you know, we all have our own lanes, right? And all of us bring something to the table and it's okay to stay in your lane and 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 you don't have to occupy all of them, I think is what you said. And I just remember reading that and being like, oh, I mm. really needed that. And there was something about those words. And so I kind of started diving in to Lindsay's work and it was extremely apparent, Varion, that you are beyond talented. You know, it seems like there's an art in this realm of kind of getting your words on paper but then the whole other side is like your delivery of that is also phenomenal and you do so well at that so thanks for being here Lindsay
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for having me I guess for for clarity of what we touched on before and for you know Fairness and authorship's sake, I would definitely accredit that tweet more to my boyfriend, Kelsey Smoot. Like that came from a conversation between two of us and then it caught fire, and that was a journey. <laughs> but ultimately, I'm very, very happy that it seemed to resonate with a lot of people in a lot of different ways because it's was definitely a sentiment that I needed at the time. You yeah. know, I felt there was a lot of things happening to be really overwhelming, and it was affirming to have somebody, you know, say that what you're doing still counts.
2: Absolutely. Well, tell them thank you for us. Tell them thank you for us. Of course. (laughs) Are we going to get to hear, you know, now you got my curiosity going and probably lots of other people before the end of this podcast. Do we get to actually hear that?
1: You would like me to read the tweet? Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. No problem.
0: We can make that happen. And I have it here too. I wrote it down in my chicken scratch on the cover of your book. (laughs) Well, yeah, while we kind of move towards that, Lindsay, if if you wouldn't mind, we like to start all our podcasts the same. If you would just say hello to our listeners, introduce yourself, share, you know, about kind of what you do, how you got there. And uh, we'd love it if you would reflect a little bit on your own experience and if there's any connection to kind of where you're going to go or what you do now.
1: Sure. Um, so everybody, my name is Lindsay Young, she they pronouns, and I'm currently a poet, workshop facilitator, aspiring social worker, mental health advocate, all of those things, black feminist bitch. I feel like a lot of my experiences now um, revolve around poetry because that's ultimately my passion. And I try to infiltrate that into every other, facet of things that I get my hands on. And I do think that my experience with um, education, like moving through school, um, had a lot to do with my facilitation style now and my dedication to like wanting to make space for youth to use poetry as a creative outlet because it was completely absent in my educational experience. Um, I never had like a poetry class. I never had a performance workshop. I never knew what SLAM was until I found it on the internet, like my sophomore year in high school and then pursued it in college. And it's been such a powerful, powerful tool in being able to help me navigate so many things. And I've known that it ha- I've watched it have the same impact on uh, the youth that I work with. So really, it's just fueled my mission to want to have that pop up in as many places as possible, as many places as I can get it to.
2: Can I quick have you flesh out Poetry slam? I mean I've I've gotten to be, see that be, kind of enjoy it but I I think a lot of people may not know what exactly a poetry slam is and the style that goes with it so that'd be fun to hear about
1: Okay sure yeah a poetry slam is uh it's competitive poetry uh there's performance poetry in which uh you know it's a very specific genre you introduce rhythm cadence um body movements into uh, the way that you deliver a poetry piece. And then SLAM is turning that into a competition. Uh, Essentially, the rules at their most basic level are you have about three minutes and 10 seconds to perform a poetry piece to an audience. And then five judges randomly selected from the audience. The only thing that they have to do is not know you (laughs) are going to rate your poems from poetry performance from one to 10. And then the lowest score and the highest score get dropped. And then there's usually like three rounds of that. And ultimately whoever comes up with the most points uh, is the winner.
2: Those are poems written ahead of time, not, spontaneously written on the
1: spot. Traditionally, yes, because a lot of people get really into it. They get really competitive. So if you want to win, you know, you'll practice a lot beforehand or go through a lot of edits. There's a lot of process that goes behind that. Um I've had the pleasure of being on like A couple slam teams in my experience, I've had the pleasure of being able to coach a slam team. There's a lot of behind the scenes that happens before um, getting to the stage, getting to the mic. But ultimately, once you get up there, the only rule is you have to have played an authorship role in the piece that you're delivering. You can also read it off book. You can, you know, if you wanted to make one up on the sly, like once you get up there, that's allowed. But most people don't do that because if they're at the slam, they're trying to win.
0: (laughs) So I, I like how you kind of this this premise of you're, you're trying to utilize, I mean, art, what do we call it, poetry and art? I think it is, right? This art of poetry oh, that, that, that has existed for millennia that we have been using, I think, to share stories for generations upon generations to, you said, be a creative outlet for students. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I go through your poems... It's almost like you can, you're like you're experiencing the creative journey with you, which I think is pretty cool. And there's so many different elements that I think you do a good job of, of displaying that I think can be really powerful for students. And so I'm wondering if we can kind of, kind of break down some of these elements, if you would kind of share what these mean to you, how they can be powerful for students. Is that okay if we kind of head down that road? Sure. In, in a lot of the, the poetry that you write and that you perform, it seems like you are sharing your own experiences right it's about you things that you have gone through and I'm wondering what role does that play for you and kind of connecting that to teaching that to kids teaching that to students
1: well you're absolutely right I I definitely hold a personal politic where if I have not had the experience for myself or I don't know enough about the experience you won't find me writing about it I find that fairly inappropriate so I do try to you know use my experiences to push Uh, this vulnerability agenda onto the young people even further. A lot of my workshops, I like to incorporate both the counseling and mental health aspect as well as the um, poetry aspect. And what I lead with is the concept of like radical vulnerability. I'll usually have at least like one workshop where we flesh that out completely. We get into the weeds of being able to stay present with yourself, to have self check-ins, to reflect on your experiences, how they've harmed you, how they've helped you. So I find that it's kind of like the way that it plays into my workshops is through modeling. If I'm gonna show them a poetry piece, I'll point out to them, um, if it's mine or, or somebody else's, I'll just find on the, um online. Um, I'll point out to them you know, how honesty plays into the impact that you're having on the audience, the way that you connect to others, the way that you connect to your community members. And with them being able to see that, because again, a lot of them haven't engaged with um, performance poetry, like just in general, to be able to see that for themselves, to know how they can use that for their own self-empowerment is uh, really helpful, I've found, the workshops I have with young people
0: I mean I like that you're you're saying you're bringing kind of the mental health component to it but I think like that's just bigger than mental health right that's like a
2: a human skill that we want to give all young students sure well I'm curious about just your personal journey as a writer Mm -hmm. and kind of how that developed and maybe even a little bit about your style
1: yeah, my personal journey with poetry, I feel like everyone has the same beginning to this question, but it's true, like it's it's been lifelong, right? I started writing in um second grade. Uh I was really into rhyming because we learned what rhyming is and I, you know, the rest was history. I was like this is for me. This medium makes sense to me. Uh I feel like I as a human have a lot of trouble even still, like even though I put it into practice so often, even though I feel comfortable discussing it, I have trouble as a muscle, just like being able to put my thoughts and feelings into words adequately. And I feel like poetry was the first medium in which it just made that flow really easily um, for me. And so it's kind of been like, turned into the crux of like, how I'm trying to introduce that to young people before the time that, you know, I did, I was just figuring out for myself when I was younger, moving through school, um, to kind of bring those tools to them, properly teach them how to use them. So started writing, loved it immediately, it clicked for me. And then performance aspect came in, I think I mentioned before, um, my sophomore year in high school, I saw uh, Alicia Harris perform That Girl. Um, It was like a very viral YouTube poem and she's an excellent poet. She was my favorite for a very long time. And I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know poetry could do this. I knew that I loved writing poetry. I knew that I loved engaging with it, but the versions that we get in school specifically definitely focus on one like small facet. Like it's like very old, (laughs) very like one demographic. It's usually men, they're white, they're old, they're dead, and that's it. I didn't know that like contemporary poetry yeah, could check, be like, a, <laughs> I, like I didn't, it was like news to me that contemporary poetry could like represent different identities, one of myself as well. And so that was definitely like a breakthrough moment for me. Like, wow, like I I need to get involved with this. I need to know more of what's happening. Um, and then in college, a uh, slam team was started there and I started performing for the first time there. We went to Uh, national competitions a couple of times during my undergraduate career and then after I graduated I just like kept the ball rolling. Um, I got involved with uh, New Eurekan and uh, Brooklyn Slam in New York that's like my poetry family members. Um, We've been to uh, you know nationals, women of the world, doing bigger, bigger slam competitions and kind of like getting into being really enamored with that element of community and being able to meet poets that are like Poet nerds like I am from across the country and, and kind of come together and learn from each other. And then I kind of took what I learned from those environments about workshopping, community, um, creating safe spaces, and had those mirrored in how I wanted to facilitate workshops myself, like after sitting in so many, I was like, you know, I I could do this, I want to try my hand at this. And I already started getting into youth development, because that was my first job with a nonprofit after undergraduate. So yeah, I feel like there were a lot of timelines moving in the same direction um, at the same time. And once I figured out what the overlap was, and how I could condense all of those things into, I guess, a more um, specialized lane for myself of how I can incorporate all these tools to kind of push uh what i believe um youth would benefit most from that's that's how i got here it was just me mushing together a bunch of different experiences you
0: know lindsay i appreciate that you just kind of referenced this like cultural perspective of, of poetry right like it's mm-hmm. all about like the poet and so this might be a loaded question but is there a history of poetry that we should know about or one that really resonates with
1: you i mean yes Uh, Do I know all of the fun facts that go along with it? No, not off the top of my head. But I will say that I can definitely affirm that uh, the oral tradition of like storytelling and uh, performance poetry has been really ingrained in Black culture. And that's something that's really resonant with me and has showed up in not only the work that I perform, but also the work that I study, also the work that I bring into workshops that I facilitate as well. Um, So yeah, I definitely think it has strong cultural roots, like the performance and the retelling aspect of it. But as far as like the the facts and people and names, I don't got them.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. It's it's you know. I- kind of circle back to other elements that are in your poetry, right? The other one that really stands out to me is just like this sense of the images, like there's images, right? It's it's all words, but as I'm reading it, like I can start visualizing stuff. And it just kind of reminded me of, even if you kind of look at indigenous and native cultures, right? Like the, the element of storytelling, it's like, these are poems, but they're stories, right? There's so much to that. And again, I think that's a huge thing for students to be able to be descriptive and draw people in, I think is amazing.
2: Yeah, I I didn't find any avenue better than poetry. A lot of kids just didn't know where to start. We used to have them write narrative first, and actually, I, I it was fun to read your a couple of your narratives on your website because you write poetically. But a Thank lot you. of people, but a lot of people do, and they just don't know it. So anyway, we would have them write their narrative first, and then we'd have them go into their narrative and discover the poem. There was always a poem inside the narrative. And that's what gave kids voice. I, uh, just a funny story, if you guys don't mind me telling it, but I was teaching a, a college class on our air base near, near where I taught. And I, I wanted them to do some of this kind of poetry. And, and so I said, I, I'll read you a couple examples. And I was reading from my eighth graders. They didn't know that. I read a couple of poems, and they were just so en- engrossed in the poem. And they said, who wrote that? I said, well, it was a couple of my eighth graders back in town. The one guy in the back room goes, oh, shit. but the the kind of flip side of that story is he was from louisiana and he wrote beautiful description of where he lived it was rich i mean yeah i didn't have one comma in the right place and you know nothing nothing was grammatically probably correct but it was rich with what jessica just said images and i just taught him how to pull out the images and create a poem and he got an a on that i mean yeah And he'd never passed an English class in his life. I don't think so. It's to be discovered, right?
1: Mm, For sure.
2: It's been interesting
0: kind of reflecting on poetry. So I remember in high school, we had one of our literacy teachers. We start each class out and he would just give us about 10 minutes to reflect, just to write, which was really good. And then unfortunately, at the end, he would grade... Our lines essentially was stars. And if you got three stars, you know, he would announce it and he would share. Well, I never got three stars, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was, it makes me sad, right? Of like this good writing versus bad writing, and then using that as a form of expression, even to the point, and now I'm now being too transparent, but like even to the point of like, oh, if I wanted a journal or write things down, like I was always in my head, and mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, is this bad? And like, well, this is just for me, but even that labeling of, of good and bad and I don't know, Lindsay, if you see that with students or Steve, I'm sure you did. Have like, I know poetry seems like it can be this very healing place to move past that, but I don't know if you see that in kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely do. Um, I think that I'm surprised every time when a workshop starts and like they're all, before we've even gotten to the writing portion, they're already so self-critical, right? They hear the the one poetry prompt video and they're like oh I could never do that that was amazing that was great and I'm like you you literally can and you're about to in the the next two minutes so get into it I think that I definitely uh assert very early on when I'm working with youth that like that good bad poetry scale was made up by somebody else right poetry is subjective the best you're going to get out of it is how many of those like boundaries that are unnecessary you can peel off of your process right just like let yourself write from a very non-judgmental space and if you produce something that you're proud of then you did it right I think that yeah it's it's very very easy even with youth to approach the writing process from a really self-critical space so I think the best way to combat that is just remind them they don't have to if you create
0: something you're proud of you did it right That's pretty cool absolutely pretty cool yeah, Jamie, we should write that down. That's three stars. <laughs> three stars. <laughs> oh, goody. Yes. There you go.
2: <laughs> there you go. She goes after the stars. Oh, there we, go. there we go. Okay, so then my next question might be for both
0: both you, Lindsay, and Steve. The last thing that really stand, stands out, and I think this is all poetry, but your skill is just the cadence in the words. Whether you're reading it out loud, or you're reading it in your head, there's cadence, there's an ebb, there's a flow, there's a rhythm. So I'd love for both of you to talk about kind of that power of rhythm. You know, that's a really powerful tool. So Lindsay, how do you develop that rhythm? How does that come to you? How do you teach that? And let's just start with that.
1: How do I develop that rhythm? I think in my experience with I guess talking through and work, workshopping and working alongside a lot of other poets on like the performance aspect of things. You're going to find everyone has their own process with this. I don't think there's a right way to do it. That's my like disclaimer. <laughs> um, but for me, I, I think I just, it's very, it's very difficult. It sound, it's going to fa- sound very amorphous, but stick with me. It's essentially, I see the images that go along with the words that I've written beforehand. And then I emote the emotion attached to that image as I'm moving through the performance of something. So I remember every single emotion attached to um, how I felt when I was writing that line and why it was important for me to write it. So I think the way that my cadence is kind of ends up mosaic together is I'm talking in a way that puts how I'm feeling about each thing at the very forefront. But again, people have a, a lot of different ways of coming up with their performance cadence, right? They, they go for more power. They go for softness. They go for um, being able to be very angry or be very happy or be very joyful. I, I feel like I just kind of stick to, all right, I'm wi- riding the wave of emotion that exists in this poem and delivering it in uh, what feels uh, most genuine to me, like as I'm re-experiencing it, remembering this poem and reciting it to the people in front of me.
0: I guess I would say re-experiencing, right? When I'm watching you, like you get emotional, right? Like, I do. Like... which is cool. I mean, you're you're in it, but it still seems safe for you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I love what Lindsay just said about the power of the image when you have the image mm-hmm. first, oh, and, then, and then you can sort of paint that image with words. That's a really powerful thing for kids to do. One thing I like to do with kids in on more on the rhythmic side. I have nothing to add to the great thing Lindsay just shared with us but we do poems for two voices and poems for three voices and and I don't know if they do that in in the poetry slam world but I've seen it you did I saw what you did with someone else yeah we found that engendered rhythm too and and that kind of cooperative spirit but that was a really powerful way to engage kids in a lot of things It, it might even have been in academic content that we decided to summarize in the form of a two or three voice poem those were uh, elements of story. Kids would never forget. If they took it from prose to poetry, they would never forget the content. It was locked in. And I think that was the power of the rhythm and and, and the cadence. And, and that's connects to memory for sure.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. I've seen, um, it's like one of my coaches had put it in a specific way that was really resonant with me. She said, it's like, getting the poem into your body, knowing how to embody what you're talking about is definitely like a reaffirming, re-empowering experience and having that kind of like solidified to yourself when you get to perform that in front of somebody else. I think in my experience with working with youth, what's been most impactful about the performance aspect is uh, the reaffirmation of like self-empowerment, right? Another facet of why poetry, you know, based on my own like Introspection around who I am and why this is so resonant with me is I'm like a very introverted person right I'm I'm still learning to still in adulthood like reaffirm my own voice be able to command the attention of others the things that I'm saying are important Um, and poetry is like a built in facet of that right when you have a performance. I always tell the students, when you're at that mic, that three minutes and 10 seconds is yours. You can do what you need to with it. You can do what you want to with it. And I think a lot of youth, especially the youth that I work with that come um, from environments that aren't super supportive, they've never had that opportunity before you know, to be able to like put their own experiences in their own words and say it exactly the way they want to say it. So for me, I think the, the performance aspect, the rhythm, the how they deliver it is very much about reasserting their personal power, for sure. And that's that's the framework I try to steer them in the direction of when I'm when I'm teaching them.
2: I am really glad you said that because the performance aspect is the clincher. It's great to write. It's great to express. But when you can get students to perform, that that's like a whole nother level, isn't it?
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think I feel like some of my greatest moments of being able to work with youth is watching like the shyest student bloom at like the final like end of the workshop series. Okay, everyone's gonna step to the mic and kind of share at least one piece. And we built this community. We've you know kind of gone through this process together. And to see their like classmates or other participants cheering them on and encouraging them and to kind of see them like even if it's just for a moment like step outside of them being scared of what they have to say and just say it in front of a room full of people right I know that that feeling specifically just comes with so much empowerment and I feel like being able to grant youth that opportunity um, sets them up really well to kind of like know how to keep developing that not just through poetry of course through poetry is like a wonderful tool but just like in their lives in the way that they move through the world
0: yeah it seems like you know there's these themes that you're saying empowering sense of self I love that you said that kind of brings them into their body but it seems like if you you know interconnect the role of your experiences all these images and the rhythm Mm -hmm. there's something very regulating Mm -hmm. about what you do Mm -hmm. and I don't know if your kids identify that of like Is there a regulating component for them in this process?
1: Uh, What do you mean by regulating? Well, the
0: sense of like connection to one's being. When when I hear you share the example of a student, you show this video, like, okay, well, we're going to do this. Like, oh, no, I'm not. And then when they kind of get in this and they are in the rhythm and they're not overthinking that, that before they know it. They're connected to their body. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. worried about this, the part mm-hmm. of their brain up here that's going to be telling them, Oh, I'm a bad writer. I can't do a BNC. Right. Have you regulated them in a way that like they're accessing that? Mm-hmm. It just seems like there's mm-hmm. so many things going on where these all combine. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the combination comes from I, I guess it's kind of individualized to each participant. I think that they draw from different facets of. Uh, the tools that I share with them in the way that they need. And I also encourage them to, you know, I think that Different people are going to need different things. I think for some people, the performance aspect is the, the the biggest takeaway. How I can reaffirm my own voice and you know learn to advocate and speak up for myself. For others, it's the open discussion aspect. Like wow, I've been able to connect with my other participants. I've been able to give really good feedback or give really good edits or um you know give really good tips about this thing. That's really empowering for me. For others, it's being able to hear other people's experiences in the workshop. Being able to know. That they aren't isolated in what they're going through. So I think that the way that all of those things connect is that somebody's going to take something different and they're encouraged to do so.
2: I'd like to hear uh, if you have any stories or examples of how powerful poetry is for shy kids, where all of a sudden we find out there's just a wealth of expression inside these kids who who would never otherwise let us know
1: um I mean I definitely I feel like I was also triggered in a good way from earlier when you mentioned that you read this poem to this person and they were shocked to hear that it came from like students of yours I feel like in my experience with students they're always shocking me from like free write number one I'm like wow take my job like <laughs> they're they're so good at being expressive naturally I found and I think the biggest thing that a lot of them are missing, specifically the, the students that are a little more introverted and shy, is that encouragement, um, is that push, that, that kind of, you know, avenue just to say, like, this is the setup that we have and br- bring them into it and give them the opportunity to just, like, engage with it. So I think I can definitely think of a few students that come to mind that fell into this category. There was this one girl that I had in a workshop about two years ago and she was really really quiet we we always started like icebreakers and go-arounds and class discussions she always just like kept it really short simple please don't look at me so you know I was like girl after my own heart I understand you're shy that's fine (laughs) But by the end of the workshop series, it was very funny how class by class, I would just see her, okay, she would be able to talk to her partners about things because I would have them do like, okay, turn to your partner and discuss this poem or turn to somebody to your right and do so-and-so. And And through those tiny micro-interactions, she was slowly getting more comfortable in her environment. And then by the end of it, where they were all tasked with having a performance, at least a class-wide like. Poetry Slam that I hold at the end of it, either Poetry Slam or Workshop, depending on, you know, temperature checking what they're feeling. She was able to do her final piece in front of everybody. And she got like a standing ovation from the whole class to watch her be so, like, I know you know, when you're just watching a core memory form in a young person's head, like, you know, she's going to remember this, you know, that this is going to serve as a step for the next time she is feeling self-doubt about, can I do this? Or do I have the skills? Or, um you know, should I say what I feel that she's going to look to this moment and be able to say, yeah, because the last time I did that, it was an outrageously positive experience. So I think just like kind of um, what you mentioned, Jessica, of like getting regulating and making it, you know, normalizing the process for them. I think how it um, manifests later in life is they can um, remember this is a positive experience and know that speaking up for themselves is going to, you know, yield positive things.
0: That's beautiful. And it's interesting when you're talking, it's like, this this could be and will be so helpful. You know, we're going to have a bunch of dysregulated students coming back who have experienced over a year of anxiety of probably some depression of kind of maybe crawling inside themselves, homes that are more chaotic. And this seems like this could be a really good way for us to kind of lean into expression.
2: So true partner, but they're also going to have stories to tell. Yeah. That's the, you know, and they might be painful stories, but we will really have missed these kids if we don't give them a vehicle to tell their stories. And I think Lindsay's talking about one of the best ones out there.
0: How do you start doing this?
1: I feel like, uh, you know, like the the cheesy group activity icebreakers, kind of finding the poetry version of that has always been my favorite place to start. Because again, it's about getting them out of their own heads, getting them out of this idea that there's a right way or wrong way or good way or bad way. I like creating spaces that are very um, community centric. So getting them to work with each other from the initial start kind of makes that process a little less daunting. I think one of my favorite like go-to activities, I think... There's a bunch of different names for it, but I call it Frankensteining a poem together, like as a group. One person will start with one line, they pass the paper to their right. The other person will do the next line, pass the paper to the right until the whole group has done it. And then I read it aloud to them to be like, look at this, you as a group created this very cool, abstract, wonderful work of art to kind of temperature check where you are. So obviously you can write poems, you can relate um, to one another. And when that happens, it produces something beautiful. So I feel like activities like those are really good for me to just like be a good starting off point to kind of get them out of their own heads.
2: Well, it, uh, my, mine's really fairly related. We did poetry coffee houses at my middle school and every 8th grader would write on three or four different themes and then of course you choose the three star ones Jessica to you know for the individual performances but we we never left it at that. We We would take everybody's writing and we would find the one star line that you were talking about Mm -hmm. because everybody had a good line. Everybody had a a unique expression somewhere. And then we would put those together in, in what I think is not my words, but typically called found poems. Because we were all writing on the same themes, we were able to take great lines from many, many kids, create a poem that had 10 authors. But then when they heard it read at the coffee house, they heard their line it was a way to include everybody and to let everybody know there's a poet inside them. And I think that's another way we can approach this new year is to to find the poetry inside kids.
0: I like that. And both of you, that that theme of community, and we actually haven't gone too deep into that, but that's also the the power of what I hear, like this connection to others, which Mm -hmm. is greatly missing right now. I also wanna give you a heads up, Lindsay. I'm glad that Steve asked, but I was going to see if there's a poem or two that you would maybe share with us at the end. You don't have to, because I also don't want to make that. I mean, we have time, but I was like, maybe I should warn her ahead of time that I might ask this at the end. Okay. Um, and now she's like, and we're done. <laughs> Can both of you talk about? Because I think what's coming up, and this is a theme that I think comes up in every every time we interview someone. That's some some form of creativeness. I can just imagine a teacher listening to this and being like, well, if they don't feel confident in writing poems. I can see them being like, well, I'm not going to use this, this modality. Right. But like, could you speak to like the teacher doesn't need to be an amazing poet, right? Like that's not the purpose here. Like, what would you say to teachers about this?
1: Yeah, I think I would say just that. I, I don't I definitely I feel like a lot of people, especially when I'm going into like a, a new workshop environment or a new classroom environment, have this assumption um, based on like the resume that I presented them with. That I'm just going to start walking in and like going off and spitting my own poems and have a one woman show. And I'm like, no, no, this this is not about me at all. Um, I'm just kind of a conduit for The experience that I've had with writing, the experience that I've had with poetry and a person that's really dedicated to like um, giving those tools to young people. I think as long as you have those passions in place, then you you don't need to write anything. You know, you know, you don't you don't have to be the next Shakespeare to be able to encourage the next Shakespeare.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just making that space. And Grainer, you know, if you could share a little bit, and I know you already just started touching on this a little bit, but academic ideas, how can we tie poetry to academics?
2: How can we tie poetry to learning? I did a a couple different activities that I thought were really, really fun. You know, I might, I took passages from novels. I could even take a passage from a history book and and say, let's summarize this, but we're going to summarize it in words and phrases that we're going to put together in a form of a poem. So it was, it was a way of digesting a bigger piece of information, but putting it in a more memorable pattern sort of way of, of perform actually performance and, and memory. I love doing that with two voices and three voices. And I remember taking a short story and dividing it into three parts and asking three different authors to summarize their part of the short story in a little three voice poem where, you know, voices were going back and forth. And then combining all of their efforts into one poem that made a, a beautiful summary of the story. And that those little things are not that hard to do. Any teacher could actually pull that off, and uh, it, it gave kids a lot of confidence. But also, they memorized, they remembered the content. My my favorite thing was prose to poetry. We look at the prose, and then we mine it. We look for the nuggets. We look for the stars, Jessica, and we arrange it on paper and not only are we doing something creative but we're learning the content so that was important and that worked really well actually and then as Lindsay you know her type of poetry just brings that beautiful rhythm to it and we all know that rhythm and memory go together so when we can bring that piece I think it's power really powerful you can dream it you can do it sort of a thing.
1: I, I would give teachers a similar encouragement that I give to my students. Don't be so self-critical. If you have the desire and the space to kind of engage with this with this art form and and have your encourage your students to engage with this art form, go ahead. <laughs> no pressure. Just go ahead.
2: <laughs> there are those beautiful little simple forms like haiku or cane poems. Mm-hmm. There are really some simple forms that people can start with. So I think you can build that confidence. I, I guess the one other thing I would add is. I did a lot of poetry writing outdoors, I I took advantage of nature, Hmm. everybody, everybody there, and just go out and write images, then we'll come inside and write the poem. I don't know if Lindsay's done that kind of thing. But that's, that's what I like to do is just go take word pictures in and describe what you see. And then we'll then we can turn it into a poem. I mean, that's how I would describe some of your poems, Lindsay, word word pictures, right? I like that.
0: <laughs> I like, I like that, that description. Well, Lindsay. Now we need to hear some. I know. Do you, I mean, you can, you can turn us down and we can sit here really awkwardly for the remaining of this podcast. No. All, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No,
1: no, I, I am definitely open to sharing a poem with you guys. I've actually been sitting here trying to find one, an appropriate yeah. one.
0: <laughs> the, the stage is yours. Oh, thank
1: you. I appreciate it. So I do have a, a couple poems I've been sending out in this submission season because I the last project that I finished was a, I co-authored a manuscript with my mother um, by piecing together lines from her journals um, because my mo- I actually lost my mother to cancer January of 2020. So a lot of my poetry has been centered on my relationships with family and uh, uh, how we're just coping with her absence um, in a lot of different facets of my life right now. Uh, So I went ahead and wrote a sestina for my sister specifically. She's been my biggest support. We've been each other's biggest support. It's just us two um, during this grieving process. So I wrote a sestina for my sister. Mm. It's called Two Girls Holding Hands in the Dark. My sister and I live to defend one another. A small squadron laughing enemies into a corner. Our mother, the only light of which we are still sure. We sit cross-legged with hands clasped and wish for an island that is ours. Seconds with my sister swell to ours. Between us, there is so much to defend. A girl, a wound, a whisper, her hand clasped over my mouth. A stifled scream sounds like laughing. She is the only shore calling me home like a mother. She inherited her constance from our mother. Smeared together scraps of what is ours and made all of my uncertainty sure. The sound of our mother's absence has deafened us both. It sits in her place, laughing while we sit, waiting. Time collapsed into void. My next breath is clasped to my sisters. She is the last of my mother and I protect her with bloody hands, laughing over every threat. So loud the laughing becomes ours. This shred of light, something to defend. This shred of light, the only place that we are still sure. My sister is the only person of whom I have ever been sure. Every memory laced with our mouths clasped and hands holding. We are something to defend. We are all that is left of our mother. We are all that remains ours. Two girls in the dark, laughing. My sister is the ocean laughing her way back to me. A permanent shore. We wade through the water for hours. Dig to the bottom with mouths clasped, looking for our mother. Looking for a woman we can still defend. My sister is gut laughing with her hand clasped over her mouth. Sure. That our mother watches us defend what is ours.
2: Oh, that's powerful. Thank you. I missed a few lines because when I heard laughing enemies into the corner, I was done. That's a star line. All right.
0: <laughs> oh, I got three stars, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, Lindsay. That was phenomenal. Thank um, you. If um, teachers listening, schools listening, are interested in kind of partnering with you, having to do maybe some workshops for them. How, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, definitely my website. I have a okay. website. Um, my name, L-A-N-D-S-A-Y, youngpoetry.com. There's contacts on there. I have a mental health resource guide. I have a about me. So definitely a, a hub for what I'm doing and where to find me.
0: You know, I just want to say like your, your book um, titled salt to taste um, is, is excellent. And I like kind of how like, you have these kind of three themes going on. I bought all of us a copy to kind of prepare for this. And it's just, it's so good. But I got (laughs) things written and Te- uh, what, what do these call day. when you when you fold the
1: dog ear? Oh, I love gear. it. <laughs> um,
0: so it's it's. I mean, I think for any teacher, it's just a really good example of of the three things that we've been talking about, right? The experience, the images, and the rhythm mm-hmm. all combined. Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for taking the chance of not knowing anything about us. And said, <laughs> sure, why not? What the hell? Let's do this. Uh, it was very generous of you to give us your time. How about the tweet and the tweet? Oh. The tweet. oh
1: do we even uh, have that? Jessica, do you want to read that tweet? I don't have it. Yeah, I but. have it in my,
0: in, my, in my chicken scratch. So, this is the tweet that connected us. That, um, yeah, we got to hear it. It was from the summer. So, you wrote Resistance is not a one lane highway. Maybe your lane is protesting. Maybe your lane is organizing. Maybe your lane is counseling. Maybe your lane is art activism. Maybe your lane is surviving the day. Do not feel guilty for not occupying every lane. We need all of them thanks for that permission thanks for that permission
1: well i thank my boyfriend for giving us all (laughs) thank
2: thank them for us um and uh, another cool twist of words art activism boy that's a that's a that's a cool duo
0: yeah yeah well keep Um, rocking it and good luck with your masters of social program
1: thank you and thank you all for for having me this was really great